Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 126. Is there, is there a 126 film format? I think I feel that I feel there is, but I might be wrong. You're quite right. There is a one two. Well, there was a one two six film format. Mm. That's what all the um, Instamatic cameras used. Uh, the um, little point and shoots from the 1960s. Is that right, Rach? 60s, 50s, 60s? Yeah, maybe late 50s. The the Kodaks, Instamatics, and and things. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. Hey, go me and my old knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Your old, old knowledge. Okay, folks, it is show 126, and but we are not here, actually, to talk about Instamatic cameras. Uh, but as you've heard, uh, we have uh, all three of us sunbeams here this week. Rach, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm annoyed with Facebook at the minute. <laughs> Excellent. That is a permanent state of being of... for a lot of people. So. Oh, it's just really frustrating me so uh, unfortunately that's that's the vibe that i'm coming in with today so i need to take a deep breath <laughs> and forget facebook because it's annoyed me so much and uh, and just concentrate on being here in the room with you guys and having a chat so uh, yeah hi right. i'm here <laughs> good stuff and uh, graham how are you I'm very well, thank you, Wade. Very well. Lovely to be here again on a Monday evening um, with my favourite people uh, <laughs> and watching Rachel get more and more frustrated <laughs> with trying to find something on Facebook is just a delight. As unhappy as it makes her, it makes me feel equally happy <laughs> by spite. Um, so, yeah, all good. All it, good. Is, it is totally confirming my bias against Facebook as well. So, um, yes. <laughs> not, not, that we, I ever, are... <laughs> not that I ever use Facebook, but there you go. Hey. No, I'm 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 very glad that um, guys like the negative positives and analog talk and classic lenses um, and you know and, and others have, have made these fantastic Facebook groups for analog photography people to come together and chat about um, stuff so that we absolutely don't have to <laughs> we can just leave it to them <laughs> to deal with. So you're telling me there is an upside to all of the photography podcasts that have started since we started this? Then <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, j- just before we uh, we go on, I should um, do a quick um, note that apparently, according to Wikipedia, 126 film was introduced in um, 1963. There we go. Just so just so you know. Ah, excellent. Thank you very much. Good stuff. And at least part of the Internet's working for you tonight then, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like... uh, I don't know what it means when you when we're relying on Wikipedia to be the. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much but what everybody we... else does these days. But yeah. there you go. Better that than Facebook, I suppose. Anyway, um, we are doing a very, very good job of ignoring our honoured guest for this evening. Uh, (laughs) Graham, would you like to do the introductions? I certainly would. It is an absolute delight to welcome back for a third time to the show the wonderful Killian Itzinger. I I know I always pronounce your um, surname wrong, Killian, but I get the first bit right, so I'll take that. Um, Killian, it's a delight to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me again. Uh, I missed out last time you were here. It was just Rachel and Aid. Mm. I can't. I don't know where I was, but um, <laughs> down down coal mine or something like that. Um, but since we last spoke, you have got out the door. Issue number two, which is obviously the third issue. Of course, clearly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> will never stop being confusing. Of Let's Explore magazine with the topic of perseverance um and from a very brief conversation we had before the show started it sounds as though you picked a really good title for it because it sounds like it was a bit of a uh, an issue of perseverance for yourself um do you want to tell us about how it all went putting this uh, one together and getting it out of the door <laughs> 
Well, so the the initial the initial idea was to have the magazine uh, ready and printed just before summer, so that everybody could buy an issue and take it with them uh, on holiday. And it turned out to be uh, late September when it, everything was finished. So there were a couple of hiccups uh, in between, um, and it started pretty early on, actually, where. Uh, at First, people were responding very well to the uh, to the theme once I published it, and they were saying, "I am going to send in my story idea," uh, which went okay at first and slowed down later. And um, I learned at some point that people were afraid to send in their story because they didn't think it was good enough for them. So that changed my uh, entire approach to getting this uh, issue uh, up and running. So you say you change your entire approach. So I mean, like I said, this is going to come on brilliantly to what we're talking about a bit later. But um, did you? So you you put the word out. You got an initial flush of uh, people getting in touch, and then that slowed right down. So what did you do at that point to get the message out to people? Because I, I remember, I remember you getting very active. I, I I'd imagine you had quite a lot turn up at the eleventh hour, um, as happens with us with our cheap shots. Yeah, like, oh, last minute, let's do it. How did you get the uh, message out to people to say, look, send it in? Um, so um, what happened at, at first was that, like you said, there was a flush of, of uh, stories coming in and then it unexpectedly uh, slowed down, which didn't uh, happen with the previous issue. And that got me thinking because um, I was more active over the past year and a half and I knew more people and I knew of people who were planning on sending it in so I knew that there were stories out there but somehow they didn't make it uh, uh, my way and then by chance I saw somebody posting on Twitter that they um, turned away from sending it in because they thought that it wasn't good enough and that rang a bell and I figured, okay, I'm just going to check left and right how people are thinking about this. And turned out that this person wasn't the only one. I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, so what I did from that uh, moment on was really put the idea out there that everybody's stories um, is important and every single story matters because you don't know who will pick up on your story and will benefit from it their story um would it be uh, uh from inspirational point of view or perhaps a, a, a lesson learned in life or um anything else so that really became my idea of getting people involved with uh, with the magazine again do you think because the um Issue number one, the second issue, uh, like I said, that will never stop being confusing for me. Um, get, I'm, working get over it. It. I'm working on it. <laughs> get over it, Graham. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was a, uh, you, I, I think, well, I'm, I'm guessing you sold more of those than with the first one. There was a greater awareness of it. As you said, you've been building your presence. So more people got to see Let's Explore magazine by this time around than had done the first time. And... Um, and issue number one uh, was um, a very, the, the photos really took prominence in it. There were a lot of um, very large spreads. Uh, do you think it was because people had seen that issue, looked at it and gone, oh, mine, given the quality of that, 
mine just don't belong in here. Do you think that actually having had a chance to see what you were making, that's what gave people the fear? Um, I think that's there's a, a good chance of that being the case. Um, what happened was the, the zero issue uh, was a Kickstarter. So uh, that's why I called it the, the zero issue. And um, the issue was already pretty much finished once I launched the Kickstarter. So I knew that the magazine was ready to go to print once uh, the funding was there. So all the work of getting the stories ready was already done and was mainly done by me inviting people to um, write for the magazine. And the Crossroads issue was the very first issue that was fully self-funded and that really relied on people sending in their stories. So there was a change of um, uh, a change in, in approach of creating the magazine. And because of that change in approach, my tone of voice on uh, social media changed and the way I interacted with people changed. And it became more of a personal project from me um, working with very talented people instead of a magazine that just at some point is just there without any um, advanced um, um, advertising or anything about uh, like that. So this because it was such a long process, people were really able to live with me in the making of the magazine. And I think that um, has a lot to do with how people now see the magazine as a, a high quality um, publication and is at, at the same time messing up uh, their heads in terms of thinking that they're not good enough. What aspect of not being good enough was the problem coming from? Was it in the quality of their work or did they think their stories weren't interesting enough? Where was it? What was it holding people back? I think a little bit of both. So what I've noticed uh, and what I see in um, uh, online discussions as well is that people tend to downplay themselves when it comes to what they're making. Um, I, I mean, I do it myself. I'm really bad at um, receiving compliments. And the first thing I do is really downplaying what I've created. So that's already a sign of how I interact with my own work and how I put it out there. And I think people tend to be very careful with saying that what they've made is good because they fear the backlash that they might receive. And then they just decide to stay on the safe side and just say, oh, it's not worth publishing, but here you have it anyway. Or so they're already off to a bad start in my opinion, that is. But it feels like that's a safe way of presenting your own work so that you just don't get um, critiqued that hard. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something I've noticed, or that, I think I, I've noticed. That's got to be, uh, it's got to be tough. I'm trying to think how I might react in, in that situation. And uh, I don't know, maybe I, I, I'd like to think I would be brave, but maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. But um, did, does that I, I am interested, though, because you, you take uh, you, you take submissions from all around the world, don't you? So mm -hmm. uh, is, are there cultural differences in that? No, not at all. Oh, interesting. OK, because you know, you, often as British, we get 
we we get characterized as being quite reserved you know they're the nation that is happy to queue even when there's no need to and and things like that quite conservative and i'd wondered if that that perhaps there would be a particular british approach where uh we were afraid to say things that were were too good about ourselves but it's it's a global thing huh yeah i I think it's a um a creative thing that people who who create who make something uh, you always end up putting a lot of yourself in that what you are making so once you get uh, negative feedback on that or a critique it's it all it often feels like a personal attack which it isn't but it feels like that so I think that's where the idea comes from to not be out there saying look at the beautiful things I've made or uh, look at me being good uh, and then facing the backlash. So I think that's where the conservative part comes from. You, all three of us, you were kind enough to send all three of us a copy of um, Perseverance. Um, so obviously you did get the stories in in the end. How did you encourage people? What, what was your technique, your tactic to get people <laughs> to actually get over this fear and send stuff in? Um basically being very blunt and saying let me be the ju- the judge of that <laughs> just stop your whining and send it in <laughs> good man well done and, uh, and um in the end there were a lot of people who actually were happy that they just needed that little kick in the butt just to get in um to get going because there's just this one little moment where you have to send the send or you push the send button and then you're done it's finished and then it's out of your hands and you just have to wait what happens next and i'm fully aware that it sounds easier than uh, it actually is but um i had received some feedback uh, during the process of making the magazine uh, and working with uh, people uh, in the magazine that once they got the story out that things changed and even from people i rejected i received emails saying that even though they didn't get selected for this issue they because they got over the hurdle of sending it in they're already working on different projects uh, putting other work out there and not they just got over that initial fear i think and yeah sorry no no um so once you got all the stories in, at that point, was it just easy peasy, throw it all together and get it out the door? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, far from it, no. So um, what I had planned was that I would take one month uh, to receive um, uh, submissions and then one month to select the best story ideas and then uh, another month, month and a half to create the stories and then two months uh, design work. Um, that does seem very optimistic across the board I'll be honest (laughs) that seems staggeringly optimistic and I figured that once I had a couple of people already working on um, stories other stories could maybe take a little bit longer so it's all just um, it's a very general approach of of timing Um, but what I didn't expect was that at least seven people um, seem to have disappeared from the face of the earth uh, during the process after the, being selected. So I, I ended up with about uh, 80 blank pages. <laughs> Ouch. And yeah, I had to solve that issue. And uh, I'm glad to say that it worked out really, really well. And I'm uh, happy that it turned out the way it, 
uh, did. But um, I have to admit that at one point I was very skeptical about uh, actually uh, finishing this issue and uh, perhaps starting another one and leave this be. Wow. That, you get to that, <laughs> that point. G- given the theme right, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of, of, of this particular issue, um, which so you know, good, it, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it? Yeah, it, it's almost like a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I was I was reading, rereading, I should say, the editor's letter um, uh, <laughs> over the weekend, and there's stories in there about you know, about you moving house and and about yeah, and lot, lots of things happening and stuff like that. Um, but it, it is it you know, it it seems odd that people who put together a piece on perseverance would vanish. But I guess there's a, there's a there's a good story in there at least, isn't there? <laughs> now you've now you've done it. Now you've got there. Now you've personally persevered, which I think is great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it had to do with uh, uh, a mental readjustment of myself at one point because I really want to. Um, make as many issues as possible in the shortest amount uh, of time that is possible, but I still have a full-time job, so mm-hmm. time is very limited. Um, and once I got my, I mean, I, every once in a while, I have to remind myself that it is a when ready magazine for a reason. <laughs> and um, sometimes I need somebody who tells me, listen, you make your own rules and uh, play by your own rules and stop being so hard on yourself and, putting the deadline uh, before summer. Why not just keep working during the summer and put it out in September, October or November or whenever it's ready. And that was really a, um, a reset on my uh, on my mindset that I needed. And that will change how I approach uh, next issues as well. So every issue is a, is a learning experience for me as well. So happy with that. This issue has... Um... It's evolved quite a lot from the last issue. And the last issue was a beautifully made thing. Um, uh, but as I mentioned earlier, the the photographs uh, in a lot of cases really took centre stage. Um, and there were some great stories in there, uh, but it did feel more geared towards the pictures. Um, and this issue uh, feels just really nicely balanced Um it, you, it's got fantastic photography in there. There's still some beautiful pictures in there, but equally there's an incredibly diverse range of stories with them. And the stories feel uh, as absolutely intertwined and intrinsic as the images are. And um, yeah, it, it just, it, it feels like it's stepped up a notch in, I'm not even sure what direction it's going, <laughs> but, but it. um yeah, it's it's really noticeable the difference from the first one to the second one. Um, what what is what were you trying to go for with this time? Um, um, I I really don't know where things are going up front. Um, a lot of things change uh, during the process of making uh, making an issue, so I don't want to pin myself down too much up front. What I did notice was um, how people reacted to uh, the previous issues. And um, I really had to think about what I thought about that because um, the very first issue was presented as being a uh, travel magazine. And um, like you said, it's still a photography-heavy magazine, but I don't want it to be a photography magazine. 
Um, and the title Let's Explore really for me means exploring whatever you feel like exploring. So I also changed um, uh, the tagline uh, on the website to um, driven by curiosity. I really wanted to be as broad as possible and have as many options um, to evolve and not pin myself down uh, to uh, with, a, with a certain label. So I was really looking at getting this issue further to um, something that needs more time to uh, fully read and look at. So once a couple of people send in very beefy textual essays or story ideas that really sparked the idea of taking it further uh, or it was, the, um, I think, the nudge I needed to take it to another uh, level with that. Um, do you have, the, the, the stories are incredibly diverse um, f from, um, well, from uh, f stories on um, feet binding to uh, poverty in Bangladesh to um, gallery exhibitions of people's work to coffee growing in Hawaii um, and uh, you know it it is quite literally all over the map. Um, do you have any? Are there any there that, that really stand out to you as, as uh, what helped inform what it was going to become this time around? Was there something that you kind of got land on your desk and go? Uh, this is changing the way that I'm actually going to approach this whole thing. So definitely the the story about um, the Rohingya um, refugees in uh, Bangladesh and, uh, and uh, Myanmar, um, that hit home with me because um, when we traveled in Southeast Asia, we went to Myanmar as well. So, and we really loved that country as uh, to travel. And we knew about the political difficulties uh, over there. And having somebody uh, who is working in the refugee camp um, being able to share his inside stories and his vision about how things are happening instead of getting the news uh, through news media really hit home in terms of, okay, there is something very important there and he happens to be a very uh, talented photographer as well. So that was really an, a nice way of combining um, what was with the magazine as well as turning an, uh, a new corner in terms of being a, more of a documentary style um, story and um, so that, that one was really the one that sparked the idea of taking it further than it already was it's that one in particular you've put a, a lot of effort into um how it's presented uh you know it, it's again it's not just the pictures and the words there's infographics in there there's a lot of stuff that would was not in the first one it's um it's, it was very noticeable to me it really leapt out as i was going through it um and the fact that uh you can take a story with that kind of weight in it and it feels perfectly at home in the book is fantastic um I'm interested, how many stories in the end did you get, how many people got in touch, how many people sent in stuff to be considered for it? Um, I believe between 50 and 60 okay. in total. Yeah. And 
how many did you actually squeeze into this issue, this um, issue of Let's Explore? <laughs> so there's uh, 28 stories, and I managed to cram in 30 people. That's so cheeky. yeah, so that had uh, partly to do with somebody who was um, going to do a story but wasn't able to figure out how to write it down best. So she asked a friend to write uh, a story that would go with her images. So that's something in the process of making the magazine that can change and which makes it very exciting to work on as well because an anything can change in the process. And in this particular case, it, um, it got better than what we could have imagined uh, up front. So that was a very nice, uh, very nice surprise. So, so I always encourage I, I encourage these kind of collaborations. So if if a photographer has a story to uh, share but doesn't feel comfortable writing that story, I'm totally fine um, for somebody else to write that story. I mean, in the end, it's it's the story that matters and that not so much the person who is telling the story. Sure. Um, I mean, it's great as as we look through the book. There's there's lots of familiar names to to I'm sure to all of us here on the call. People who we know, some of the people we've actually yeah, had on definitely. the show in the past, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is wonderful to see. Um, but when you had what nearly sixty people send in um, stuff uh, and only thirty people could be squeezed in, uh, this leads on quite nicely <laughs> to one of the things I want to, which is the subject of rejection. Um, uh, because you're in quite, you know, uh, not unique by any means, but um, you get to dole out rejection to people, which must be a real treat for you. Um, and uh, I would really love to talk about, one, what it's like doing that. And I get the feeling that you don't like doing it very much. And I can say this from experience because uh, <laughs> uh, both Rachel and I are part of the group of people who did send in stuff and got rejected and um, we've got a lovely i got a lovely letter back i don't know whether you did rachel you might have just got a letter saying jog on i did, I did. <laughs> no 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 I, I got a very nice email from you Killian. thank you <laughs> um, yeah so uh, how how do you how do you handle the rejecting side of things it's the worst <laughs> it's absolutely the worst and um like i said before it's when people create something they put their time and effort and often their heart and soul in that what they create so it becomes part of them and then being the one saying okay i'm not seeing any way of including it into the magazine that yeah it feels like stabbing somebody in the back almost not that i know what that would feel like but <laughs> <laughs> it's um even though I've learned to critique and look at work uh, from my uh, professional career, it's something I do all the time and it's, it comes fairly easy to look at something and to form an opinion about it and to word that well. Um, but it's never, um, it's never fun to have to say to somebody that their work isn't going to make it. And that doesn't mean that the work isn't good enough. So I really want to stress that. And I try to convey that as well in the in the emails I send to people that it's not necessarily the fact that their work isn't good enough, but it doesn't fit within the magazine, which means that it doesn't fit well with the other stories. 
So, yeah, but it's the worst to do. Um, you said that. I mean, and I, I think I probably. Um, I know I responded when you got in touch because I, I to be honest, when I got your email. I felt bad for you um, because, <laughs> <laughs> because you'd taken the time to write this very nice email. Um, and, uh, and I could tell it was uh, it's awkward. It's an awkward thing to say somebody to who you know, who, as you said, who has sent stuff in and gone, here is my work. I'm, I feel, you know, I'm a, difficult to share it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that to then go, no, sorry, this isn't what we need for this. And I could tell that you, you <laughs> come through that it's an awkward thing for you to do. Um, do you tend to just have a, a sort of a fairly standard email that you spend hours carefully <laughs> wording out and then just go, right, that that is the nicest way I can say this and I'm just going to send that to everybody? Or do you go through this pain individually for every single person? So a little bit of both. Um, I will be honest and say there are parts in emails that are uh, written up front and are the same for everybody. But what the difference is, is that I always try to respond to every single pitch or submission individually when it comes to the work they created and what I think of the work and why it didn't make the cut. So um, and that's the thing with critique and criticism is as long as somebody just says, okay, it's not good enough or I, I don't like it, um, I, I personally can't work with that. So in my professional career, if somebody tells me that they don't like anything I made, then I always ask them, okay, what is it that you don't like? Because when there's a dialogue, you can get further and it makes the rejection easier or more understandable. So I always try to word why uh, I didn't choose uh, a specific story for the magazine. Uh, so those are all uh, individually uh, written down. <laughs> And you mentioned about the fact that you had some feedback from people saying that, you know, they appreciated the time you've taken. Have you have you ever had anybody respond less well to rejection? Um, no. Uh, other other others other than uh, not replying uh, at all, which can happen because I can understand that replying to a rejection email isn't on your f first priority. Uh, uh, when receiving emails, um, but there's never been anybody um, reacting in a in a weird or bad way, and that's something that I've found that is surrounding this this project of mine is that everybody who is involved is in such a positive uh, mindset that it really is a breeze uh, making it this because everybody wants to make something beautiful together. Um, and when it goes sour, everybody f the feel uh, everybody feel feels bad about what's going on, and they were hoping that things would go differently. But the overall sentiment in in making the magazine is uh, is very positive, even when it comes down to uh, rejecting somebody. Well, that's the rejecting side then. But what about the being rejected side? So, Rach, 
Yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rach, you've got a letter. Now, we talked recently about the fact that you had sent off, um, you sent some pictures to be considered for a gallery exhibition or, and you were successful in that. Um, mm. But obviously, you also sent some work off for Let's Explore magazine and mm. you were one of the lucky um, number, like my good self, to get a rejection letter from mm-hmm. Killian. Uh, yeah. How did that make you feel when you got it? Well, I, I just assumed that Killian personally hated me, and <laughs> I did not know what he was talking about. I, uh, and he was—he was just never going to talk to me again. And you know, of course, of course, I didn't. You know, um, yeah. To to be honest, um, the get, getting accepted into the into the uh, gallery show recently is the first time that's happened to me. So it was, uh, yeah. So that's been like a, that has been very much the um unusual experience for me um the the usual experience is is rejection so you know it's that's that's just the way life is really so um i'm kind of struggling a bit more with the idea that my work's going to be in exhibition because um now now that has opened a whole new can of worms and i'm not quite sure what to do with it <laughs> so uh, yeah it's it's fine it was um yeah to be honest, it was from um, my perspective, I put in the images and the sort of initial, very initial story idea simply to show people that they should have a go, that they should do it. And it was so that I would have an opportunity to tweet about it, to share to share it and say, look, guys, if I'm going to do it, you guys should all do it as well, because I... Um, at, similar to yourself, Graham. I think we also noticed that Killian, you were Killian, you were having some trouble getting people to submit, and that people were looking like they were being a bit fearful of submitting. Um, so I just simply wanted to um, put put that out there and say, okay, well, I'm going to put some stuff in as well because if I do it, hopefully some other people might be encouraged to do it as well. Um, and uh, and they were, and they did get their work in, which is amazing. So in some way, in some little way, I was accepted. <laughs> um, whether you wanted me there or not, Killian. <laughs> um, so yeah, so actually I kind of, I feel like I could take a little credit for helping push uh, hopefully other people into submitting their work so um i don't see that as a as a an entire rejection <laughs> reflected glory because yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> the nature of your work rate i mean you do have to put yourself forward things whether it's stuff like the gallery showing or killian's work or, or whether it's um what's the word i'm looking for uh, aid help me out here what's the word when you put your we're you trying to get work um commission a, a, a pitch a pitch yeah pitches yeah. for work that you've done yeah. um so this is this is a regular part of your work and and because your work is based around creativity and making stuff and yourself um do you find that this is something that gets easier the more you do it or or not does it hmm so good question um no, I don't think it gets easier. Well, I'm just being honest. I don't. I don't think it gets easier. Um, it's uh, unless you're going into it thinking, well, I don't know. I I care about everything that I put work into. You know, otherwise, what is the point in submitting? If you know what I mean, like mm. it, you've you've seen a project or you've seen something that you you want to be that you get excited about that you think, oh, this would be amazing. I'd love to sort of be part of that. So. 
that's the only time that I'm likely to actually go to that next step of submitting work, you know, I think. Mm. Um, so when you're at, when you're that invested, of course, you of course, you want to be part of it because, um, you know, very, very much so I, I don't really submit work for for things, you know, I found that generally very, very difficult. And um is something that I struggled with and have been trying to be much better about doing recently as we've as we've talked about so I don't think it gets easier but there are definitely um there are definitely nicer nicer ways that people are able to to send you that rejection letter <laughs> um and there's a scale of um just uh no this isn't right and no feedback you know um mm. to something like what Killian did which was fantastic sending us an email that was very clearly he'd looked at the work he thought about it he decided that actually um it wasn't the right fit for the for the um uh, for the magazine so I don't take that personally because I was very much you know understanding that this may well not work um as part of that particular you know issue i didn't take it as a personal attack on my work but obviously it, you know of course it's a bit sad because you go oh it would have been nice to be part of that but that's totally fine i'm glad that other people have been and i've really enjoyed looking at what the other people have submitted and it's because you you only see it from your perspective as well obviously killian's are getting these submissions and he can start to see how the story of the issue works um because you're able to see the whole pool of um submissions of images of stories and it's only when you can see the overall picture that you can really work out oh that's going to work and that's not going to work whereas as individuals submitting to something you never you're never quite sure what is you know as much as there are guidelines you might never be quite sure what is being asked for so when you're submitting something um from the outside you can only know what your work looks like as opposed to how it looks or how it works in context with everybody else's does that make sense mm, yes I, yeah. I think that that's you, you hit the, the the nail on the head with that one because and and that's something where uh, there's a um a pretty big distinction between a rejection and and critique or criticism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because a rejection is often, um, when it comes to a, a project or a body of work from which you can't see everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think it's the duty of the people who do the rejecting to be very open, honest, and, and clear about that and try to explain best why they don't fit in the in the collection uh, yeah. of work uh, whether it be a magazine or an exhibition mm -hmm. or perhaps mm -hmm. even in a photography contest mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i feel that especially with contests there's some weird stuff going on with uh, sponsorships where um people get rewarded for an award but never submit it or that mm. the juries are fixed from the get-go because they i don't know why but i have a feeling that something weird is going on there and often you can see um that within the rejections or the critiques on the work um that either they didn't pay attention to reject you to rejecting and why they reject it or it's just a mass uh, rejection and everybody gets the same email mm, mm, yeah 
Have you, Aid, have you ever, not just with photography, but with anything, have you ever put something forward and uh, either been rejected or, or been accepted? Have you ever sort of put yourself in the position where somebody can uh, pass judgment on your creative efforts? Oh, I was absolutely with you until you said creative efforts. <laughs> um, Any efforts at all? I mean, you, you have to pitch for work as well, don't you? I mean, that's part of your job as well. Well, exactly. I mean, I've had jobs where I've I've had to, yeah been a, an employee of a big corporation and had to sell to clients. Um, I, and and because a lot of my jobs have been yeah a lot of my career has been spent in consultancy. You know, uh, I've had to sell myself, which is, which is, you know, oh, the right person <laughs> for this job. The right person for this job is, yes, is the guy in the cowboy suit outside the theatre. Yeah, um, the, 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 is what you have to do, isn't it? Though, because especially if it's your own consultancy or your own business or something, that, that is what you are selling. It's you as the brand, as the as the the thing that they're buying effectively yeah, yeah it is and and there's an element of that that i do nowadays working independently is a bit more about me when i've worked mm. for other corporations it's often been a you know i've often been an account manager and i have to you know that sometimes is an easier sell because the thing you say to your prospective new client is i've got just the person for your job yeah i got just <laughs> the expert on my team that can really help you out and so sometimes that's a bit easier um, although oddly, it's it's something that comes to a lot of people who are doing pitches later in their career, the ability to pitch some somebody or something else. Um, but yeah, it's uh, in, in terms of creative stuff. I mean, for me, creativity is a chance to get away from that. <laughs> um you know the the uh, and this is yeah we talked two weeks ago didn't we on 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 the show about you know i haven't taken a lot of photographs this year and, and stuff like that and actually a few of our listeners have reached out um and and uh i'm working on putting together a collaborative project at the moment which is great um and thank you everybody who has got in touch you know be good to to do something and they're getting toward and i'm getting energized again by it already um uh but that's awesome. could, yeah it is it yeah. is it's really good it feels great actually it, 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 it the energy is good um and i'm looking forward to doing something but it's not um but but that's very different from you know uh, you know the question you've asked is have i put myself have i been rejected i mean i've been rejected plenty of times there's not yet <laughs> but but i don't often put my creativity out there that's something that i tend to do for me um rather than uh and and um, uh, I, I can't think of a diplomatic way of putting this, so I'll just say it. Um, I don't do the, the the creative things that I do if, because I seek other people's approval. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter to me what other people think about my photography mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's a more dipl- diplomatic way I could do. I could uh, talk about that, but it's just not. That's just not what I do photography for or or what I get out of it. I think the most powerful stuff that, that that I've gotten out of photography in the last 10 plus years that I've been studying it and practicing it, I, I, I think it's the ability to see, you know, the mm. ability. Yeah. And, and that's a gift to me, back to me every day. You know, I that's see a reward things. for yourself, isn't that's, it? That's yeah. the reward. Mm. Yeah. I see mm. stuff and it doesn't even matter if I take a photograph of it or not. In fact, often I don't. Often I just clock it and say, ah, do you know what? That's beautiful. And I never used to see that stuff before I took an interest in photography. Um, and so for me, I'm kind of I'm kind of winning all the time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Must be um, nice. 
it is. I mean, there are there, yeah, there are plenty of other aspects of my my life where it's just hard, <laughs> and that's okay. But sometimes I can see something. I was, uh, I tell you what, it's a real world story from this morning. Um, I was pretty stressed this morning. Um, and uh, part of that was to do with the fact that my commute was twice as long as it should be. Then I had some issues in the workplace, which I shan't bore you all with. <laughs> um, suffice it to say that some days are uh, uh, I, I enjoy my colleagues and other days less so. <laughs> um, and uh, I would say the same for me. And obviously it's only me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, heard your bo- I've heard your boss is terrible, Rach. Yeah. I know. Um, and, you know, I then um, uh, I, I then found myself having to, to go out at the office for a 10 minute walk, not because I was stressed out, but I just had to, it was just an errand I had to run. Um, and, uh, I stopped and I I saw I saw some light shining through some trees and this one particular tree was the, uh, I think it was a birch tree of some sort or some uh, and it had um it had some beautiful yellow leaves and I stopped and I took a photo of it just on my phone and I said to myself right okay that's it the day's going to be better now I've seen something beautiful and I've taken a photo of it and I'm going to relax and get on with the day and it really worked yeah there's a lot to be said for not trying to deride any pleasure from other people's opinions of your photographs. That does seem like a very zen way of going about it. Well, um, well, yeah, ultimately, uh, yeah, it, the flip side of that is, you know, it, it, of me saying I do it for me is is that I don't care what you lot think. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, though. That's the best way to be. Or it certainly it's a very good way to be. I mean, it, well, it's definitely the best way to be is not worrying about what other people think. But, um, but still, it's nice. It's nice. I'd love to have seen that picture you took earlier, so I hope you share it somewhere. But you probably won't. Cause... I, but, well, I probably won't because that's not why I took it. But that's... exactly. <laughs> that's maybe where I will. It all maybe falls down maybe, a bit. maybe just for you, buddy. There's just this one. Yeah. I will. I will share it. I will. Sh- I will share it on Facebook. <laughs> Oh, thanks. I wanted to come back to something because I want to sort of move this on to the other thing we want to talk about. So, um, Rach, you were talking mm. about the fact that when you know you, about you can't see the whole image of the whole thing of like where your work fits in or not doesn't fit into a thing so your work can be rejected because it doesn't fit in with the thing um and Killian, you've spoken about critiquing work um i I want to talk about the idea or not the idea but the sort of the thing of not everybody sees work the same way so part of what inspired this conversation that i want to have this week was a message i got from a good friend jeremy north <laughs> and now anybody who has listened to the show for any next time will probably be familiar with jeremy's name and um or that gets confusing jeremy north uh, not me not me jeremy um because jeremy is quite a straight talking gentleman and Jeremy sent me a message on, I think it was Wednesday, and he said, I've just received Anal Mystery's new book, uh, Monochrome. Anal's just started, uh, just put out a new book called Monochrome, a photo book. He said, I've just received it, and I don't like it at all. And um, I'm wondering whether I should uh, say anything, tell him how I feel about it, because he did ask me, you know, ask me for my opinion. Now, as this is Jeremy speaking, I was always assuming that this was a rhetorical question because if there's one thing we know about Jeremy, it's that he very much likes to let people know how he feels about things in the most direct way possible. Um, And obviously, Anil had said, you know, let me know what you think. So Jeremy did. He went on Facebook um, to the, you know, the, the thread where the book was being discussed and 
explained to Anor how he felt felt about it in fairly di- perfectly polite and perfectly reasoned and well behaved um, language, but quite direct. Um, and basically said, "I don't like this book, um, and, and I don't like it for these reasons." Um, the upside is uh, because he doesn't like it, he said, "Well, I'll send it to you, Graham, so you can see it." Um, so thank you very much for that, Jeremy. The book actually turned up on Saturday. And I got to have a, a quick look at it. And just from the way that, from all the things that Jeremy was saying that he didn't like about it, I could already tell that I thought, well, this sounds right up my street. And it absolutely is. Um, but anyway, that aside, uh, I wanted to talk about how and when we do offer critique of people's photographs um when is it appropriate to when is it not appropriate to and and how should we go about it um with your work Killian you said that this is part of what you have to do um do you have any good rules of thumb um for I suppose more for how you approach giving it because it sounds like in your work you just have to do it so um how do you go about it what what are the techniques that you use to not come across like a massive dick I suppose <laughs> So when when doing the critiquing, um, I first of all um, want to check in with myself what I really think about it before I say anything. Um, and I always want to make sure to explain why I think in a certain way about something. So um, not not every single time when you have something good to say about an image, but even then um, I try to try my best to explain why I like something. And especially when you're uh, not liking something, I think it's even more important to explain why, because otherwise you're just trolling and saying, okay, I don't like it and deal with it. Now it's your mm-hmm. problem. And you're not helping anybody with not explaining your reasoning behind your opinion. And um, I always hope that once somebody decides to say uh, or to give their opinion about something, that they care enough to um, they they care enough to to voice their opinion. So I would assume that they would also care enough to explain why their opinion is the, uh, formed the way it is. And with sharing that opinion, you can help somebody and. Uh, person receiving the critique can decide whether or not to act upon it and from there everybody uh, grows and then it's a good thing Uh, so I always try to um, to explain why I don't like something if that's the case yeah do you I was thinking about this earlier today and I find that if I'm looking at work and I feel the desire to critique it it's because at some level i care about that picture i care about that picture enough to want to um share my thoughts on what parts of it aren't working because if i don't care about it to be honest i I don't i don't even want to engage with it i don't want to share do you find that that's the case for you um yeah because i always um i always hope and and that's the the beauty of critiquing and also when it comes to rejecting in in the end you want to aim for a dialogue you want to get into a conversation where both parties can learn something from each other or from the work that is made so if there's some if there's a piece of work whether it be a design piece or a, a photograph 
um, if it doesn't do anything for me, I absolutely don't feel the need to say to say that. But if um, I feel that there would be a missed opportunity or if I would have taken the shot differently because this and that, then often I try to engage with the person and see if they thought about it, what their uh, opinions were uh, in that case. And one of the things I do especially is try to get into a one-on-one -on -one conversation about that. So I, uh, if there's a, an image I don't like, and I want to know why somebody did something. I try to uh, try a, um, uh, a direct message and not uh, start a thread of negativity uh, beneath a, a post on, on Twitter or Instagram or anything. Do you guys think that there are certain places where that that critique in general is just it's not the right home for it. are there any places where you just uh, either wouldn't want to offer critique or equally would not expect to get critique on your work whether it's writing or pictures or whatever what are your thoughts on that i i, I think can. i have a Sorry, few, i think <laughs> i have a view on that that maybe does come from my professional life uh, my, my non-photography life which is decidedly unprofessional um the uh, I, and I, I agree a lot with what Killian was saying as well, which is that you, you've got to think about what outcome is you're driving for. You know, if if there's an outcome where you can have where, where maybe both parties can learn something, that's cool. Um, you know, if there are uh, if there are situations where you've got a sort of um, mentor type relationship. Um, you know, you might choose to to give constructive criticism uh in a positive way uh, as part of a, a, a mentoring or coaching um i think where where it's not i think i think it's i think the default position should be that you don't critique people's work unless you've got something to offer mm -hmm. and i think that's where i and the internet disagree <laughs> <laughs> because you know i i don't care if Killian's new creative piece of work has two card slots or or a digifilm <laughs> canister that doesn't work. Or, or irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it, 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 for me, I think the point comes about checking whether I think I have something to add to a situation, whether I can help people or, or, or simply... Even if they, yeah, it's a bit different because not everybody, of course, wants to be helped. But you know, if you think, even if it's the tough thing to do, the tough decision to make, to try and provide somebody with some insight, and you think it's genuinely valuable, and not just because you want to have a go, then I think, yeah, okay. But I think the the default position, and unless you, you know, it should should be not to critique, unless you're being asked or you you think you've got something that's really suit, you know, really appropriate to add. I was going to say the same thing that I, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but if if you're asking for critique, then that's a different situation from you perhaps just sharing your work and people giving unsolicited advice on it. Um, if you're if you're not asking for somebody to critique your work, then I think that's that's a kind of different situation. You know, we we have the right to express ourselves in whatever way we like to. Um, I don't think we need to. Uh, I think that's part of the the fear 
Um, that's part of the thing that stops us from submitting things or for sh- from sharing things that we've created um, because of a bad experience. Maybe shared something, um, not asked for criticism, not asked for critique, and yet it's still come back in spades at you. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. in that situation, it's thinking about what's the impact of that later down the line on that person's work. Um and on that person's, you know, own personal feelings and how they might, you know, create things in the future. Um, because it's not like they're saying, oh, I've made this thing. Can you give me some honest feedback on it? That's a very different situation from um, I've made this thing. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, either really proud of it or not even saying that. It's just I would like to share this. Um, I'd like to put it out there um, so that I am actually, um, you know, releasing my 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 work into the world uh, rather than it sitting there and not being seen or not being used or anything um then you know that's a bit of a different situation i think can yeah. i go yeah, back I think... and revisit my answer as well actually and add something to it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because don't get me wrong but i'm not saying you should just like everybody's photo right? no no <laughs> because i think you know the, the there is clearly an abundance of that on the internet uh, as well as as an abundance of, uh, of disgruntled hate um mm-hmm. and uh, i don't think that adds any value either so it's not just a question of going oh uh, of being gushy and saying oh i really like your photo i have a situation which i have to hold my tongue sometimes because the vast majority of photos that i see i don't like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah sure and and you know so so i could easily i could very easily get ranty um and uh you know uh and it's but that's not that's not to say that those are bad photos who what what right do i have to be the the, to the arbiter of taste you know i'm i'm uh, perhaps that's personal taste perhaps is the reason it didn't work for you but it it does it's it's an interesting thing and i feel i feel for jeremy because you know clearly you know he he was put in uh not a difficult position necessarily but you know he was asked to say something and so he did and and but that's not a difficult position for jeremy is it that's one he's pretty comfy in oh, i think he's yeah, a- no no i think jeremy we were the first to admit that you know that that actually you know he he often his his comments are unsolicited <laughs> I think the the problem with with the internet being as well is that it's such a public forum. So um, once you engage into um, uh, critiquing somebody's work in public, you're basically shaming somebody in public if you have something Mm. negative to say. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. at, at some point that can spiral out of control and people will be critiquing somebody who does the critiquing and then it doesn't um, talk about the work anymore. And um, when somebody asks, okay, can you give me some, some uh, feedback or critique on my work? Then, okay, of course you can, I think you can give that critique and formulate it well so that both parties can grow. But when it's unsolicited, then Mm. it's really tricky, especially in, in a public forum to keep control of the, the dialogue that is going on because it Mm. can it can go really off at some point and mm. i think I'm that's per- a really good point killian um and, and again yeah it, it sometimes it's just common courtesy to say okay if i'm going to give some feedback and it's negative then maybe i'll do that on a one-to-one basis rather than in public yeah mm. Mm. yeah and, yeah and, and, 
No, so go on, Rach. Um, it just kind of relates to that um, idea of um, what's the what's the lasting impact of these things as well, um, and just um, I don't know if this is appropriate to share, but just from a from a personal um, experience from when I was very young, um, I remember like you know one of the first first pieces of um creative work i'd made um and um being asked to you know put that into an exhibition at school or whatever um and then came back the following week and found that it had been um doused in water and uh, ripped up and that kind of thing um and uh, i was i was pretty upset you know i mm. was maybe eight years old or something at the time yeah. and uh, and i thought oh well that's it's pretty rubbish, you know. It's my first endeavour of actually sharing my work, um, of actually putting something creative out there. And then I found it was one of the teachers who'd done it um, to <laughs> teach to teach me the um, the importance of not having pride, you know, or the dangers oh, of pride. Street, what school what? did you go to? Um, uh, well, <laughs> um, so you know, eight years old. Obviously, the impact of that on my kind of like creative output lasted with me you know through to adulthood really and and I think there's potential that um what happened in that incident um you know stayed with me and meant meant it made it much more difficult for me to share my work to put it out there to ask for criticism because obviously it was a pretty rubbish sort of thing to have to go through at the time um and you know I think understandably makes you less um forthcoming in in kind of like um actually getting to the point where you feel you can share work and that kind of thing so yeah just something to think that's that's horrendous that's that is, that is terrible yes that teacher should have been struck off <laughs> i was gonna say i think aiden and i are both having very strong feelings as parents at the moment like, if that happened to our kids we'd be wandering to punch teachers in the teeth for that mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean you, you're right you do have to think about the consequences of what you put out in the world, um, and to, to bring a, a, you know another personal but far more recent anecdote up to date. So a few weeks ago, um, we were talking about Kickstarter stuff, and I, in particular, was pretty critical of how things were being handled over at um, the Reflex Kickstarter page. And you know, you put these things out in the world, and guess what? Obviously, it got back to them. And I mean, I have not embarrassed about that it's fine but they got in touch um because because by the time the they hadn't actually heard it themselves so it chinese whispered into something quite different by the time it got to them but you you have to remember that there are people who are going to be out there and they're going to hear what you say and you don't always know how it's going to be taken um and your opinions might be valid to you um but there's a, a wonderful saying um something along the lines of opinions are like assholes we've all got one but you know it's generally best to keep them private um and that's the case most of the time with things that uh, unless you can see a really beneficial reason for the person who you're sharing your opinion with you probably should just keep it to yourself um, because you don't know how they'll take it. Um, even if you're, even if you want to say, "Oh, I think this picture is nice," but if you did that differently, it could have been better. Which is about the most innocuous way you can go about offering critique or advice. If somebody's having a bad day, if somebody's just not in a great headspace, that can be difficult to deal with. Um, 
do you guys have any advice on if you have been asked to let's say you have been asked to offer critique uh on something um or let's say for example i would do, you know let's say the cheap shots challenge because as far as i'm concerned people send pictures into the cheap shots challenge we're going to talk about them um and sometimes we'll we will say things that we think we wish were a bit different because if if we all only ever say nice things about pictures they're they're kind of rendered invalid by the fact that there's nothing to balance them out so have you guys the three of you got <laughs> advice is- <laughs> this is why we do the show together because it means that I can be lovely and uh, I can leave <laughs> Graham. I can leave you to be like <laughs> to say all the things that Graham says. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Um, <laughs> but what what tips and techniques do you guys employ, and would you advise to make sure that when you are critiquing, that your message comes across in the way which is positive even though it might be saying I don't like this it's still in the positive way what what are good techniques people can use uh, there I, is some... I, yeah, sorry. no go, go on Kitty enough to you um I I tend to um uh focus on both the what I do like and what I don't like so um because whatever you're looking at it's not all bad what you're looking at. I I just can't believe that there's nothing you can find which you like in an image or in a piece of uh, design or anything. So I always try to find both aspects uh, in in a piece of work and try to emphasize those uh, in my critique. So um, sharing both what I do like and I don't like, ending with a high note though. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, um, I uh, ending with a high note. Um, I would uh, I agree with that completely, and I would add try and start with a good thing, because you know if you can you, if you can engage somebody in the conversation by actually you know, talking about the things you like first, then you can subtly in the middle of the conversation slip in some things that might be improvements, and then at the end, as Killian says, start with yeah, end end with something upbeat. Um, I, I always like to come with ideas and, uh, rather than simple criticism. So, yeah, it's like, well, it, and, and sometimes maybe if it is a photograph, maybe it's like, well, what if you did it? What if you'd done it that way? Or, you know, I, I can see that the light just missed being a Rembrandt light on the portrait there. Or, yeah, something like that. You, you, you're, you're, because that way you're genuinely giving trying to trying to help at that point and trying to trying to to uh create an exchange of ideas rather than simply just to say no i don't like it so mm. try try bring solutions rather than just problems yeah i think it was really really important what you said before age which is about you know have i got something to offer to this you know if if you've got something that you can offer to that in a situation where you are being asked to offer your opinion then um you know that's that's a great way of looking at it you know as you say bring solutions not problems and 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 um you know you never know what that um, might spark off for somebody else you know they may have um taken that image and been really happy with it but they may have equally there may have been something that they were like oh i didn't quite nail that but i'm not sure why it doesn't work so perhaps something that you say or one of us says in you know in our um, looking at the image or talking it through you never know that might help inspire or spark a little idea for the next thing or the next way of approaching it. So, you know, and yeah. de- depending on the situation uh, you're in, I'll, uh, I sometimes try to ask 
questions and start off with with asking what we were aiming for. What oh, was yeah, your yes, what, yes, good point. What yeah. was your what was your intention? Because if my critique doesn't fit with the intention at all, then it doesn't matter what I think about that certain aspect of an image because the person wasn't aiming for that. So that would be then a negative comment which doesn't have any place within the conversation. And yeah. it's kind of useless at that point. And it's it's also, I think, a, a lesson for people receiving critique is that uh, as important uh, as it is for giving critique that you don't know in what mindset somebody is who is receiving it, it goes the other way around as well. That somebody who is giving critique, you don't know what happened the night before or that day be just before he was giving critique. Perhaps he has a really bad day and is venting off in a comment on, on Twitter. And I always try to, in my own cases, I try to leave uh, away, leave out the, the, the most positive and the uh, most negative um, uh, feedback and just go for what's happening in the middle because the most positive and the, the most negative ones are often not representative for what's really going on. I do, as you both, you and Aid were saying about the importance of, of um, starting and ending on positive things uh, and and asking questions. I think all these things can go a long way towards making it all a lot more palatable. I think uh, the colloquial term for it, um, I believe, is something like a sandwich. Um, <laughs> an expression. Um, and it's that kind of thing of, uh, oh, I really like the paper that this is printed on. The picture's terrible, and maybe next time you want to think about opening your eyes before you actually fire the shutter. But did I mention how much I like the paper you've taken this picture on? Um, so it kind of gives people something positive to take away from it. Can I add yeah. to that? I think it's also about, it's not what you say, it's the way you say it. <laughs> if you're laughing whilst you say it, it's definitely all right. Yeah. In a weird way, I think modern internet, given that so much of this critique that we're talking about it is um, conveyed in text rather than the spoken word. I think if you're talking to people, especially if you're talking to people face to face, it's a lot better because, you know, there's all of that communication there. Um, emojis can actually help quite a lot. Um, I know it's a real dumb thing to say, but kind of the, the point of emojis is to try and convey some of the emotion of how you're putting it. And you use them, even though they might feel kind of dumb sometimes. Um, do you think, okay, you know, a smiley face or or something at the end thing just shows actually I'm not, you know, you, at the very least you're trying to be nice about something. It might sound like a very silly thing, but sometimes that can just help people take what you're saying more in the way that you're saying it. Um, I think I think you're right. I, go, I I mean, part of me just wants to shout, "Oh, don't be such a big girl!" At this point, but another mm -hmm. part of me is actually, you're absolutely right. Emoji, emojis are brilliant. Um, it, it, it it really helps. It's 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 uh, it, it's interesting to see how the use of emojis has evolved and how it how it does exactly what you say there, Graham. It diffuses situations because it's. Um, it, it, it's it's acceptable now in, in even in some corporate communications, you know, emails and less formal corporate to, to actually use emojis, especially on like instant messaging in the office and stuff like that. And and it really does make a difference. So, yeah, I mean, I can see how that would that would help. Um, you know, uh, it's 
it, it's something that I railed against for some while using emojis, but <laughs> a bit like you and hashtags. But <laughs> yeah, and and the point that um that you know you've both made about um you know about, well talking about when you're receiving um the criticism and and where that person is coming from, and I want to just circling back around to what started all this off, which was um Jeremy's uh, feelings about Annal's new book. Um, and I said, Jeremy just really didn't like it. Just really didn't like it. And um, the reason that he gave was that um, it's very low contrast and uh, very blurry and very indistinct. And, you know, just the, the prints, just, you know, none of that spoke to him. He just did not like the aesthetic at all. None of it worked for him. Um, and so he shared that with Annal. So that's the feedback that Annal got. Um, I said, I've got the book now. And although I've not had time to spend a, a good long look for it, but instantly I went, oh, yeah, I like this. This is absolutely up my street. I I love the indistinctness of it. I love the fact that um, the, you know, the, the compositions that Annal's put together really work for me. Um, and, you know, anybody who sees this and has seen some of my work will not be at all surprised. That it's, but then again unsurprisingly Sinead looked at it and went nah not for me either (laughs) Sinead and Jeremy are absolutely on the same wavelength um so you know just because if you do get somebody being negative about your pictures it it can quite often just mean it's just not for them um so uh I've had um, quite a lot of practice actually with people close to me and my family not liking my photographs (laughs) (laughs) yeah family is the worst for that um but uh, yeah, but Annal's book, I would definitely uh, recommend um, anybody, anybody who likes the kind of work that I've just described to you, um, check it out. It's called Monochrome um, and you'll find it on, uh, I think, annalmystery.com, I think is his website. Um, but you can find Annal easily on all on the um, social medias. Uh, it's very good. And Annal recently uh, on his book, Monochrome, did a monologue on the Negative Positives podcast. He talked at great length about his book and um, why he made it and what he was looking to make uh with this um so it's a really good place to chat we will have anil gone anil got oh jeez <laughs> we will have anil on again soon i'm sure but until then um i definitely recommend listening to the i can't remember what episode the negative positive podcast it was i think it was a couple of weeks ago so <laughs> but they move so fast through episodes it's impossible to know what number that may have been but uh, yeah i really like the book though it's very good Okay, that's cool. Do you know what, Graham? Thank you for that conversation. That is, that, that's a that's a that's a pretty sophisticated conversation for us here on Sunday Sixteen. <laughs> so we had yeah. to bring Killian in in order to get to that point. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but yeah, well, okay. Well, Killian clearly is is bringing out the best in us. Um, I, I do have a really frivolous comment about criticism to I could end it with, but but that might undermine the whole of the conversation. <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> go for it. This is how the sandwich ends on a high point, Aid. On a high point, okay. Well, as a wise man once said to me, before you criticise a man, walk a mile in his shoes. That way, when you do criticise him, you're a mile away and you've got his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice. I think that's what listeners should definitely take away from all of this. What, the shoes? (laughs) Everybody's shoes. (laughs) Uh, yeah, sorry. I don't. I don't want to undermine the conversation we've had because that's a really genuinely good conversation. But I have that little joke going around in my head. So. <laughs> it's a good joke. I really <laughs> like that joke. It's good. Yeah. Well, uh, well. I mean, Killian, I can't imagine. Do you have you ever had any 
have you had any critical um any criticism of your let's explore magazine or has it been universally popular so far no well there has there has been criticism and um it it always hurts when somebody doesn't like what you're making because you put so much effort in it and um so it is hard to receiving it uh sometimes but it's it's like you explained before it's not for everybody and not everybody likes uh, what you're making and that's totally fine and um the people who were skeptical or a little bit negative about the the magazine um i had pretty good conversations with and um i learned from them and uh, took it to heart with uh, actually this issue and I will be making some changes in the design layout and the way I create the next issue as well, based on what people are saying. So I'm I'm always very open to criticism from people as long as they explain why they think what they think, because otherwise I can't do anything with it. So if they say uh, I don't uh, like uh, the look of it, and it turns out that they have trouble reading. Um, the typeface I chose or something, then I can work with it and see what I can do to make it uh, even better. But if they stop by saying, um, I don't like the look of it, there's nothing I can change. That's a very wise way of looking at it. And I have to say, I think it's bloody lovely. I and I was really delighted and impressed with this issue. And I, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think it is... Um, it is a step up from the last one and I can't wait to see what you do next um, because it's wonderful and I love seeing all the different work and it's going to take me quite a while to get through all the stories and give them all the attention that they deserve uh, I think if I was going to offer any critique for it um, not enough content from Sunny 16 podcast host I think that would be would you agree with that right? I think that's what I'm looking for <laughs> Who knows that? Who knows that might change with the next issue? <laughs> oh God, I hope not for your sake. Oh, no. <laughs> for everybody's <laughs> sake. <laughs> but no, it's lovely. It really is. Um, it's a yeah, one- and thank you so much for uh, for sending over the copy for us to to enjoy and appreciate that. So uh, yeah, it is. It's beautiful and um, yeah, really lovely. Thank you guys. No problem at all. <laughs> Okay, well, there we go, folks. Um, I think that is uh, with the deep conversations, a good chance to catch up with Killian and and understand some of the the uh, the whys and wherefores of the latest Let's Explore magazine. And Killian, um, uh, where can people go to get a copy of this? Just go to letsexplore.magazine.com and. Um that's uh, where you can find everything you can uh, read the editor's letters from all issues and you can order uh, the crossroads issue and the perseverance issue those are the only two uh, issues uh, i still have copies of oh i've got both of those (laughs) (laughs) sorry i can't order any (laughs) more but uh, i i won't uh, reprint them so i know that some people are hunting down the the belonging issue but that one is completely sold out and i don't know of any other places in the world where you can uh, can buy them so um once they're sold out they're sold out oh it's a harsh business so you so your recommendation is that people get in quick then to buy huh oh yeah especially with the holidays coming Oh, I tell you what, I'm with Graham in that it's going to take me a while to to do it justice. There's so much in it, Um, but I'm enjoying it. And I think that's right. It would be a beautiful Christmas present out there for any any of you listeners out there that 
that uh, would like to to provide some some deep thoughtful content for your loved ones who are into photography or even if they're not actually um the stories are excellent too so uh you know absolutely a great christmas choice yes go out and buy it quick before they all run out (laughs) (laughs) okay well killian thank you for coming on the show always great to talk to you um have you enjoyed yourself oh absolutely as always love being on the show (laughs) good good stuff graham have you enjoyed yourself oh well i mean I've had a nice time, but I think there's a few things that maybe you need to pull your socks upon. I'm not sure about your weird southern accent, but I think you're doing a very good job closing the show out, Aid. Well, that's yet to be proven, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, hopefully I'll do it in less than my traditional nine takes this week. Uh, Rach, have you enjoyed yourself? Oh, very much so. It's always lovely to uh, to chat with you guys and uh, and uh, with Killian. So uh, we ne- we didn't get chance the first time uh, that you were on, Killian. So it's it was lovely to uh, to speak with you again. Thank you for having me. Excellent. It was lovely chatting with you guys. Cool, <laughs> excellent stuff. Right, well, um, uh, not a, Killian isn't the only person on the internet, as it turns out. Uh, Sunny Sixteen are on the internet too. Uh, best place to find us is the Sunny Sixteen Podcast dot com website, which I believe Graham, you're keeping up to date with shows, with entrances to entrances, entries to Cheap Shots Challenge, and lots of other stuff as well. Uh, well, Matthew is very much helping with that. He's making sure all the shows go up on there, and I'm trying to make sure all the pictures for the Cheap Shots Challenge are up there as well. I'll be finishing that up tonight once I've done <laughs> But yes, absolutely go there for all your Sunny 16 <laughs> podcast goodness. So good. Okay, good stuff. And thank you to Matthew for helping out with that. You can find, is it Eric on Instagram? It certainly is, Eric, doing a sterling job on Instagram. And you on Twitter? Yep, right so. And occasionally... Rach on Facebook? I try. I do try. Like I say, having some issues. <laughs> okay, well, failing all of that, you can uh, email us at sunny16podcast.gmail.com. Um, and why not start drafting your email now as we play you out with the tunes from Rocker, Rach's band, and you can get their album Promises I Should Have Kept on Spotify, Amazon or iTunes. It has been an honour and a privilege as always, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation tonight. Thank you, Killian, and thank you, Graham, for the conversational ideas. Um, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hello, it's Martin Scarland again. Um, I've um, painted my floor uh, and that's all done. And now I've just got to move everything in. So um, I went upstairs at my workshop at work and found all the stuff that I picked up from barking a few weeks ago and bought that all down and bought, bought that home. Um, and then my wife, with much glee, was looking at all the stuff that I'd accumulated on our our landing. So all that stuff was dragged down into the dark room. I had to sort of unpack it and organise it so it all 
worked in the space I had. Now I quite soon realised that both the cover stand and the the um, enlarger on their bases were just taking up so much room um, and I really wanted the work surface as well. So what I've done is I've taken the posts, if you can understand that, the posts off of the enlarger and the copy stand and bolt them directly to the worktop so I can't move them anymore but um, if, the, if I'm not doing one or the other of them I've got a much bigger open flat space so that, that's worked out really well um, and then really I was very nervous about it but I thought well really I should try and print something um, and from my memories of printing probably 25 years ago um i was very nervous because i i thought what if they're rubbish um so anyway one evening i got home from work um picked a negative and thought well i'll just have a start printing this i had some old um multi-grade paper well it wasn't that old it was about a year old from when a friend of ours came around and i was showing their daughter how to make a pinhole camera so i'd bought a bit of bit of photographic paper then so it was a bit of multigrade paper that i'd had so that's all i had to really play with so i um set up this negative and just printed a small five by seven print and it took me a little while to get things dialed in um but i was pretty happy with it it, it was all right it's, was no no masterpiece, but I was pretty happy with with the um, end result, which was which was good. Um, I'm yet to process the raw film in there, but that will happen very shortly, I'm sure. So that's it, really. Um, the end of my story. Um, now, as far as costs go, um, it's been very economical. I've been given an awful lot of stuff. Most of the costs that I incurred were on building materials um to make the the room dry and warm and safe so very little was spent actually on photographic stuff if you like um i bought the stuff in, up in barking and then sold the processor and made money out of it in fact i made more money than i spent on any of the photographic stuff in there because i bought the sink for 50 quid so all in all it's been a pretty much a zero spend stuff on photographic stuff um but I had did have to spend, I think I spent about £300 in total for the timber and the plasterboard and um, the plumbing and wiring bits and pop bobs. But even so, 300 quid I think is not bad for a very good functioning room. Um, and, um, and, and really it's going to save me a lot of time and effort and... It's going to be a lot easier to do things in the future. So um, that's it, really. Thanks for listening. Bye.